Christianmoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Jim Paris with you. Of course, we are live on Sunday nights. A great show lined up for you tonight. Uh, be Make sure you're here the whole time. So uh, be sure and uh, clear your schedule to be with us tonight because we've got so much to talk about in the first segment, what's happening in the news and coronavirus and all of that. And then also tonight, our guest segment, I'm really excited to have with us Michael Lichens will be talking about the life of exorcist and Catholic priest, Father Gabriel Amorth. And uh, the book is called The Devil is Afraid of Me. And I'll tell you, there is one topic that scares me. I will not be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> yes, we're going to be talking about exorcisms at the bottom of the hour. And it just keeps getting better and better because next week we have back with us the authors of the book Crime of the Century as we discuss the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. The reason we're doing another show on this, I think they were with us about a year, year and a half ago. We want to bring them back because now that we're commercial free, we're able to give them that full, you know, 45 minute interview, which is going to be great. It is currently one of our most downloaded replays, even with all the commercials in it. People are interested in this uh, story, and it really was a big story at the time. A lot of younger people don't even know about the story, uh, but it really was the crime of the century. And they'll be with us uh, next week again, the authors, uh, to talk about the Lindbergh baby kidnapping and tonight uh, we don't have commercials again we're commercial free so I'd like to uh, simply let you know that tonight's sponsor is christianmoney.com and uh, I totally redid the website so I decided I'm going to sponsor the show tonight on behalf of christianmoney.com a whole new look to the website there's a bunch of freebies there for you uh, check it out some new videos some new content tonight's sponsor keeping us commercial free is christianmoney.com christianmoney.com all right we've never done this before but i decided to bring back with us uh, in our new segment because normally the new segment is just me but i decided to bring on with us uh, a guest in our new segment and he'll be familiar to you because he was with us a few months ago he's the author of sherlock holmes and the autumn of terror which is a book about the Jack the Ripper story, which I know so many true crime people are fascinated with. He's also a private investigator and also an expert in the martial arts and uh, really fascinating guy. We've become good friends over the Internet, over Facebook. And uh, Randy Williams, good to have you with us, sir. Hi, Jim. Good to have you with us. I, I, I want to start by asking you to share the details about your bizarre flight. So I follow you on Facebook and I saw there was a picture of you like in this giant plane and it's empty. You were flying back, I guess, visiting yeah. some family in Pennsylvania. You're flying back to Las Vegas. 
and and the plane was literally what two or three people in this big plane. I mean, were, how, how does that work? Three passengers, including there were three passengers, including myself. Um, it was the second leg of a flight back from actually my home in Pennsylvania. I have a, a ranch there, and I was coming back from there back to Vegas where I'm working, and it was the second leg, so it was coming from Charlotte into Vegas, and it was funny because you know when you're boarding and they're they're talking about okay uh, zone one passengers zone two. I, I was three zones all by myself, <laughs> and uh, I, I got on the plane, and there was literally, there were three of us passengers. There were more staff than there were passengers, and um, I asked the um, the steward at one point, like, how many um, people actually can fit on this plane? And he said, 187, and uh, I asked him, how many of us are there total? And he said, three passengers. What do you make of that? How so can they possibly a, afford to fly a plane with three passengers on it? Well, what's going on with you know, that? That's my exact question. That's my exact question because they're talking about, oh, we're going broke. And, you know, the airline going broke. Uh, the average citizen is supposed to have enough money to get them through this, you know, in their savings. Uh, but but a huge corporation is going broke after a month of it. And you wonder why. And, and of course, when you see them flying up, up, and that's not the first time I've been the only um, passenger, the way out there, about two, maybe three weeks ago, I flew out to Pennsylvania again from Vegas, and it was the same thing both ways. There were hardly any people on the plane at all. And I think one had maybe 15 last month, one had 15 or 16 passengers on it, another had maybe 30 on this 187 capacity plane. Um, this time, the way out there, the most that was on any plane I was on was probably eight people. And I was on four different flights, so they were all empty. And and I'm wondering why, how they can afford to do that. Why don't they just limit the number of flights? You know, fly on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or fly only on Monday, whatever, to be able to to fill the flight. I would say part of it is probably this. I'm so sick of this term, social distancing. But part of it is probably that that they don't want too many people sitting too close to each other for that period of time on a plane. Um, so they could seat every other seat or every row maybe, but they're certainly running these planes with nobody on them, which they're driving themselves into bankruptcy. Yeah, that, that makes no sense. I mean, just uh, the cost of the fuel alone uh, makes no sense. But can you believe there's so many things about this coronavirus situation that just don't add up to me? For example, do you know that today that right now they're still loading uh, Greyhound buses, packing people into Greyhound buses, packing people into Amtrak trains. Do you know that you could still get like super cheap flights from New York City into Florida? Yeah, and, like and that's, bucks. Yeah, that's yeah. and that's the hot spot. And so, you know, somebody it, crazy. somebody like me, I, I ask questions and I'm like, well, if we're not supposed to be able to sit in a restaurant dining room, um, how can you pack a Greyhound bus and that's okay. How can you pack an Amtrak train? Mm -hmm. How can you have hundreds of flights every day leaving the quote unquote hot spot of New York City to Florida? How how can that be? And and of course, when you ask questions well, like that, stop making sense, would you? Yeah, I, yeah. when you ask questions uh, like that, you're you're told, look, uh, don't don't ask questions. The adults are handling this situation. Go back to your room, little kid. They don't want. See what I I throw I threw this up on social media. I said, I wonder if the virus knows what we as humans have decided is essential, so that we've like negotiated this and we've said to the virus, look, uh, we've got to have planes flying and people. 
people packed into planes and, mm-hmm. and buses and all. So we, we made a deal somehow with the coronavirus that they it wouldn't spread to people there, but it spreads to people supposedly right. in a, a restaurant dining room. It just doesn't make sense. Right. And this and is all supposed a- to be about science, right? Right. During the negotiations, the coronavirus made us close down the Mucinex factory um, <laughs> because, you know, it combats the virus. And not only that, but they don't like the little booger guy that represents, you know, represents them. So. Yeah, that was our concession to the virus. Yeah, it, it is. An, uh, it, well, it, it know, is amazing. It, Go ahead. Well, you know, you're right. And as I said before, like, stop making sense because they're sending all these uh, buses of New Yorkers into Pennsylvania as well, where I live, this little rural town outside of Scranton. And the, the people in my area are in an uproar about it because the March Trailways buses are pouring in every day. And then these people are going on to another small town that's about an hour from me called Hazleton, which is arguably the greatest breakout in our country mile for mile um, because of all these displaced New Yorkers that live there for some reason. There's some nexus in, in this town called Hazleton with New Yorkers, and they're just inundated with the coronavirus right now. And as you, I think you know, I, I was uh, I used to work in the jail in that county, Luzerne County. That's where I'm a, a licensed private investigator. And um, at Luzerne County Prison, uh, we're getting the guys that I used to work with. They're telling me all about it. They're getting all the people from Hazleton because that's Luzerne County. So they're in an uproar about it because all these New Yorkers with the disease are coming in or ostensibly with the disease are coming in. And then they're getting arrested. And they're getting put into jail with the, the virus. So now guys are coming down, guys and gals are coming down with it in, in the jail. And these guys are rightly you know, upset about it. But yet at the same time, they're releasing all these so-called nonviolent, you know, offenders into the community, you know, to, to, to protect them. Meanwhile, arresting people for breaking curfew um, or, or not wearing a mask. I think, They're Randy, some of these the people, some of these people they released have very violent rap sheets. In fact, one of them I, it was his big story this week. I don't know where it was. I don't remember. But they got out and one day later committed a murder. That's the allegation. At right. Least. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, Did you I see saw, Michael Cohen, it, yeah, uh, the no, president's no. Uh, lawyer? He got, he got like he just went to prison. I don't know. He's only been there a few months. And they like said, OK, your sentence is over. They he had like a three year sentence and they like let he served like a year of it or something. And they said, well, the rest of it, yeah. we're just going to release you and you're done. Uh, weird things are yeah, going Weinstein on. Weinstein will be the next one. Yeah, Weinstein will be the next one to get out. But you know, these guys, these these guys were actually thumbing their nose at at my colleagues at the jail as they're being released into the same community. You know where where these guys work. So there's there's some crazy stuff going on. Which you know, I think you probably remember I made a post on your page ages ago. Now uh, it seems that way in retrospect, but um, I, I'm still kind of sticking to my story that there's more to this virus than we are being told. I mean, almost anyone you talk to in any walk of life is of the opinion that there's more to it. And there's all sorts of crackpot theories of which I have my own um, crackpot theory that I've been sort of sticking to since we we were first told about this virus. And, and I actually had this theory before the virus was really announced to us, which was, you know, and, and some of the people on your page were laughing at it when I put it up. But, um, you know, I was thinking, You've heard about these these series of asteroids that have been coming close to Earth in the past couple months, right? Yeah, absolutely. Read something about it. And there was one that was scheduled for March 26th, and uh, 
they were talking about it was a pretty good sized asteroid. It was like something like the size of a house or, or something like that. It wasn't uh, something that could destroy the earth, but it could do a lot of damage. But they said, don't worry, it's, it's not going to hit. And I saw this sort of months ago, this announcement that this thing was going to come. And I live uh, part of the time in Vegas. I actually live in this castle owned by this rock band I work for. And um, so I have this fabulous view. And the view of the night sky is getting better and better and better as pollution levels drop, as, as you know, people stop flying and working and, and polluting the sky. So you can really see a lot of stuff in the sky here in Vegas. And I've seen a lot of weird stuff. But I was thinking, okay, I'm going to watch for this asteroid. And then, of course, all this coronavirus stuff starts getting announced to the public. And, and they were, and as it hit its height, I started talking to the guy I work for. This rock star is Zoltan Bathory. He's a guitarist for Five Finger Death Punch. And I was telling him, hey, you know, it's a weird thing, but they're talking about maybe easing up on some of the uh, restrictions on, on just after the, the 27th of March, which is the day after this first asteroid was supposed to happen. And I was like, could it be that they were using the least possible panic-causing uh, reason to get us all as prepped as we were going to be and hunkered down in our homes with enough food supply and expecting to be kind of in for a while without causing the panic that a possible asteroid, not maybe hitting, but coming close enough to cause some havoc. You know, if they said that, it could cause complete anarchy. You saw what toilet paper did, for God's sake. Imagine if people thought... Yeah, I'm I'm with you because I I told my wife this early on in this whole thing. I said, I don't I don't think some people are looking at this and they're looking at the virus and they're saying there's a lot more to the virus. You know, was this developed as a bioweapon, all of that kind of thing. And, And that's one path to go down. But I'm with you. I almost think it's like, look over here at this virus because it, on, on the right hand, because on the left hand, we don't want you to see this other issue, which is right. a totally right. different issue from the virus. And uh, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know if, if, you know, may, maybe there are some terror cells running around the country that are planning something and they want us all uh, out of public places. You know, it would make sense, like, let's shut down the NBA, Major right. League Baseball, all the places, exactly. Disney World. These would all be terror targets uh, for terrorist right, cells. Right. Even our rock shows. Right. Even so so for them to come out and say, hey, there's like 20 terror cells right now that are looking for targets. Everybody go to your homes. That would not go over well. So to say, hey, this virus thing mm-hmm. is going on. Everybody stay in your houses. It would be a great cover right. story, wouldn't right. it? Yeah, that, that's kind of where I was going with this. And I, I on the 25th of March, I don't know if you saw these videos of all these tanks on trains going to Los Angeles, going to New, New York, going to Florida. There were these hundreds of tanks um, being transported by train to all the different port cities. And I was like, why is this happening on the 25th? And on the 27th, I checked with people that were in view of those tanks at their final destinations, and none of them were unloaded. So I was like, what is going on? So I thought, could it be that? And I started telling my boss, you know, about it, about my theory on sort of the 25th or 24th. I said, this this asteroid's coming. And I, he said, really? Well, let's see something about it. So we started Googling everything, and there was nothing about everything that I had seen on this asteroid was gone. Hmm. And so he was thinking, well, you know, you're losing it, Randy. Maybe you, know, you missed it, <laughs> missed your dates. Uh, and, and he thought I was kind of crazy. So couldn't find anything. And then, then on the 27th, after it passed, there was a, all the information was on it again about it. Wow. And 
of course, there's another one now that's scheduled. This one's huge. Um, it's supposed to go by on the 29th. Um, and the 29th of this month, it's supposed to be this huge thing that's like twice the size of the Empire State Building. And the whatever field around it is half the size of the sun. And it's supposed to go by on April 29th. And which is coincidental because another one of Trump's dates to open up the country or to ease was May 1st. Mm-hmm. So I thought, do they have some suspicion that maybe this thing is going to go off course, get too close to the earth, burn some stuff, cause some radiation? I don't know what asteroids do. I'm no, I'm no scientist, you know. But I thought, is this sort of like you were saying, a way to get us sort of hunkered down, prepped, as prepped as we're going to be? And then when it passes by aimlessly on the 29th, Okay, May 1st, everybody, you know, let's reopen the country. You know, the other interesting angle on this, too, is um, when I saw this a few days ago, it really uh, concerned me. You know, a lot of people have speculated, are we headed for another civil war? And then right away, you've got two coalitions that are formed, one on the West Coast and one on the East Coast, where several states are now banding together, supposedly to decide whether to open or not and negotiate, you know, with the federal government and all that. And it almost it almost seems like the precursor to something, because uh, Cuomo was quoted today as saying, if you want us to reopen, you need to fund us. And it's almost like what they're looking for is, uh, you know, Illinois, the state of Illinois, where I grew up in Chicago they're they're insolvent. I mean, on paper, they're completely insolvent across the board. Their pensions are underfunded. Everything is is so they're basically going to try and use this coronavirus in a lot of these blue states that are that are insolvent to say, hey, we need to be bailed out. Like not just what we lost from the coronavirus shutdown, but like we want to be made whole from day one for our last, you know, 20 years of, of, of horrible living. Right, right. And, and what do you think about that? For slaves. Yeah. What do you think about this yeah, idea yeah, of the right. blue states trying to wrap themselves in the coronavirus uh, crisis to try to get bailed out from, you know, stuff they did 20 years ago? Exactly. And, and you know, it's sort of like. Uh, Pelosi sneaking all these the wish list into the the uh, the bill that was supposed to help all these people that were were being harmed by the coronavirus and being unemployed, and instead they gave all this money to what is it the Kennedy Center for the Arts? Right, millions. And then the Kennedy Center turned around and right, and then the Kennedy Center turned around and fired everybody anyway, and gave five million dollars to the Democratic Party as a quote unquote uh, a donation, right? It's sort of a almost looks like a money laundering scheme to me. Uh, you know, they, they got this huge amount of money. They fire everybody that that was supposed to help. Well, why we were helping them before the general public, I don't know. But then, then they turn around and donate money to the Democratic Party. How, how does that work? Yeah, there's there was a lot of five million dollars to donate a lot of pork in there. And and a lot of these states that are uh, struggling are looking for major bailouts. I know Illinois is asking for like 20 billion uh, to shore up their pensions. The other thing I find fascinating is and I've been posting these stories. I did a lot of these last week is. Uh, how these little tin pot dictators have been created. Like in my own hometown, I live in a little town. We have like 70 cases of coronavirus. It's like less than one tenth of one percent. I think we've had like two or three deaths, uh, you know, which which is terrible. We don't want any deaths. But our mayor is is like keeping everything shut down, even though our county has opened up the beaches and the parks. And they're saying social distance, limited hours, et cetera, et cetera. But so many stories of 
mayors and uh, police just overstepping their bounds. Today, I think it was a, a northern oh, yeah, Northern California. They hungry. they they filled a uh, a skate park with thirty seven tons of sand to prevent sand. kids yeah, from being yeah. able to skate during the coronavirus shutdown. What do you yeah, make of these uh, authoritarianism uh, moves by these uh, small smaller players? Well, you know, they're like little petty tyrants and they're getting a little taste of the power and abusing it and and sort of deciding for themselves what's what they're going to do for everybody instead of putting it to a, a public vote. And I mean, you're, you live in St. Augustine, right? I live near St. Augustine. I'm actually in Palm Coast. Oh, OK. Yeah, because I mean, I, I went out to St. Augustine a few times. I was wondering, what are all those poor ghosts going to do? With, with <laughs> all right. Have anybody to hunt? It's a ghost town. But, I'll tell uh, you right now, I was up there the other day and yeah. there's nobody walking the streets in St. Augustine. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And and so, you know, even the ghosts are filing for unemployment because they have nobody to spook. <laughs> That's but, right. But yeah, I, I, I think you're, you're seeing people that are just power hungry and like. Part of me, like I, I'm kind of forced almost to listen to Cuomo go on and on all day. And, you know, he has 10 percent substance. And the rest of the time he's like trying to be America's dad or something. He's like lecturing us and telling us about how we should talk to our kids and, you know, how we should uh, make the best use of our time locked in. I, I guess that's it's kind of like a fireside chat thing he's trying to get going on. Yeah. But <laughs> very patronizing. It's a form of overstepping. It, yeah, exactly. It, it, it's almost a form of overstepping in itself. Because he's he's sort of lecturing you on on how to you should better your life and how you should uh, make more time with your kids. Like assuming it's 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 presumptuous in my mind to that he's telling you that you haven't spent enough time with your kids. Like how does he know? Because he hasn't. And then he <laughs> wastes all this time talking to his brother, which that that almost seems like a conflict of interest. You know, he's talking to his brother who seems to be going nuts in his basement. Um, on on the government discussion time, Fredo, you know, on the, and, and he, yeah, exactly. So you've got this going on, uh, and, and he's telling us about how he's hallucinating and losing teeth or whatever, breaking breaking teeth. And I, I'm just thinking to myself, what, what does this have to do with? Yeah, he's on. The, he's definitely on something. State, I don't know. Type of yeah, the the coronavirus is not LSD, so I'm not sure like what kind of mushroom uh, prescription he's on for a coronavirus. Mm -hmm, right. But Fredo's right. like definitely seeing uh, some strange things these days. Go back to though what you were talking about earlier about things you've you've been seeing in the sky because uh, you had you and I oh, had, yeah. uh, oh. had exchanged some messages. Uh, I think it was yesterday. You saw some really strange strange happenings in the sky, but then you later yeah. figured out what it was. Tell us about that. A bunch. Well, first of all, I saw a flying saucer today, but that came right after the flying cup that my girlfriend threw at me. <laughs> um, but, but, but speaking about in the sky, um, you know, it, it started for me here in Vegas. I haven't been here that long, um, but it started for me. I started kind of looking up at the sky in February and on the 27th of February, was the first thing that I ever saw here that was really weird, which was this very strange, big blue, white, reddish glowing ball in the sky that was, that came from behind a mountain and had this sort of erratic pattern of movement. You know, it goes straight, it go up, it go down it go straight. And it was, it reminded me of kind of like a welder's flame, hmm. the, the type of flame you're not supposed to look at. Right. Um, it had that weird bluish and it was white and 
but it, with with a sort of a blue tinge to it, and it floated across the sky for. I think I watched it for 20 minutes until it went out of sight and headed towards, I guess, where they say Nellis Air Force Base is. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure that's where it went, but in that general direction. So I thought, well, you know, what is that? I, I had no idea what that thing could be because of its its strange movement pattern and its ability to sort of stop and then go up and then go down and then continue. So very strange thing. Uh, I, and I, you know, like I'm no expert, as I told you before, I'm, I'm a jack of all trades and a master of maybe one or two. Um, and, and UFOs or, or aerial phenomenon is not one of my specialties, but it just, it's a, it was a weird thing that I saw. And I've, I've been looking at the sky all my life and never saw anything like that. The closest thing I ever saw to it was a, a meteor that hit near my land once in the wintertime when I was out in the field you know, on a snowy, you know, or, or snow covered night on a, a snow covered clear night. And that was the closest thing I'd ever seen to this thing. But that meteor that I saw was actually glowing and burning and moving super fast. And it, when it impacted, it left this ozone smell in the air. This was like, it seemed to be under intelligent control. I, I just, you know, I wouldn't know if it was some sort of a hoax, some sort of a balloon that somebody rigged up with a, who knows. So that was the 27th. The 29th of February saw another odd set of these double lights with really unusual movements, it, it moved more like an insect than a an aircraft. It would, you know, kind of hover, move fast to one spot, stay there, move down to another spot, stay there. Didn't know what that was. Uh, on on March 23rd, I saw this really weird orb, something like that first one, but not quite as as bright and not quite as um, pronounced in the sky. It didn't it looked like it, it was either further away? or it was smaller than the other one that I had seen. Hmm. Um, so I've seen a, a bunch of these weird things, but um, I don't want to you know, bore you to death with all this, but I will tell you that last Thursday, um, a friend of mine called me. Uh, I got this friend who's a comedian here in Vegas, and he gives me a call and he says, hey, go out on, the, uh, on your observation deck and take a look. And I look up in the sky kind of towards, um, you know, I don't know if you can say this on the radio, but Uranus. So he says, take a look up, your, up, up towards Uranus. And uh, he says, watch, watch this guy. Tell me what you see. And I see this, this white light, little ball of light shoot across the sky at a kind of a 45 degree angle going left to right upwards and away from Vegas. And I said, oh, I just saw, I don't know what, what that was. Like, I guess it's, it's too fast to be a plane. I don't know what that could be. And he says, just keep watching. And about sort of five seconds later, another identical and another identical and another and another and another. And they were going constantly one after the other, regularly spaced. Hmm. And then every now and then would be another one running parallel to it on another line above it. So there would be, you know, one, 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 then two, then one, 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 then two. And I think I counted 38 of them that I saw. And he told me that he called me after having seen at least a dozen himself. So we know what the heck it was. And the the official explanation is we were seeing the SpaceX uh, satellites. I guess they're Elon Musk's satellites. Wow. So that that is supposed, supposedly what we saw. You know, like, okay, if you tell me that's what it was, I was bordering on getting a little freaked out by it because I was like, I've never, ever seen 
anything quite like that. Yeah, and I'm hearing more and more sightings of strange things in the skies and UFOs. And before before we run out of time, though, I want to get you to tell me, what is it like being in Las Vegas during this shutdown? Every time I've been in Las Vegas, maybe a dozen times, it's like, you know, you're elbow to elbow with people and, you know, you go into a hotel or a casino or even just walking the streets. What is it like Mm -hmm. being there during this shutdown? I mean, is everything literally shut down? It's, oh yeah, it's, I mean, in and out Burger's still running. You know, they got a line that goes three times around the block. But as far as the strip goes, it's all closed. Wow. And um, until recently, the, the Luxor had that beam still running, you know, even though it was shut. So what was really eerie is I took a ride down the strip. Well, this must have been th- three weeks ago now, I guess. It could be, could be three weeks. And the Luxor still had their light on. You know, that, that beam that shoots up into the right, sky? Right, right. But the whole entire street was empty. There might have been one or two stragglers walking around out there. And I stopped the car right in the middle of the road and just was gazing, gawking at the Luxor because in the beam of light were what looked like thousands of something flying around, like moths, but too big to be moths. I guess they could have been bats or some sort of bird that were attracted by this beacon of light. But it was a very eerie thing, and it reminded me of sort of a I Am Legend type of, you know, scenario or the old uh, Twilight Zone with Burgess Meredith, where he, yeah, he it's, ends up breaking it's, his glasses. It's like you're in a in a in yeah. a movie scene or something to see the Vegas Strip that empty. Hey, Randy, it's been fascinating to have you with you. Some great stories, and uh, we'll have to bring you back again to talk about uh, your book on Jack the Ripper. Let's uh, let's do a little promotion here. His book is Sherlock Holmes in the Autumn of Terror. That is available on Amazon. You can find also he has a whole series of books on martial arts all of that from his author page a number of books on wing chun that you'll find there uh and uh randy do you have a website or anything else you want to mention well well you know the the book itself has a facebook page called sherlock holmes in the autumn of terror and i think the actual address is randy williams versus jack the ripper randy williams vs jack the ripper all one word and that page is kind of a fun page where i do things about holmes the Ripper. There's some factual stuff. I do some true crime stuff. I put some spooky stuff on it. Once in a while, I find a really cool, you know, spooky photo from an old horror movie or something. I'll put that there. So I have that page that people could could join. And I also have the um, Randy Williams Kung Fu page, which is all about my Wing Chun, um, sort of the schools that we have around the world. And, and there's always some funny stuff there. There's funny fights on there. There's stuff about martial arts. There's stuff about Bruce Lee, because as you know, my teacher was Bruce Lee's top student. And so there's always a little bit about Bruce Lee or, you know, things that would be of interest to people who, who like the martial arts. So I hope that some of your listeners might, you know, come and find me there. Yeah, very good. And uh, uh, your book is doing well. It's got 200 reviews and almost a perfect five star, which is which is huge for uh, Amazon to get that type of a rating. Randy Williams, thank you so much for being with us, sir. Fascinating. We'll have to have you back again, especially uh, during the news segment. Very good to have him with us. All right, we're going to take a one-minute break where we refire the open. When we come back, we'll we'll have our special guest tonight. Michael Litchens will be talking about the life of Catholic priest Gabrielle Amorth and uh, exorcisms and some scary stuff. So we'll be back with that in one minute. Stay tuned.